Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 43, where we discuss how rail service performance is impacting the movement and export of Western Canadian grain. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Mil Poirier of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing today, Milt? I'm great, Greg. How are you? Very good. Thanks. So we're in, we just released the week 43 report. So we'll get into that uh, first. But as those of you who listened last week, we started off uh, a two-part uh, series on precision scheduled railroading. So we'll We'll get to part two after we after we touch on our our uh, on the week forty three report. So let's start there. Uh, Milt, anything of note in our ATC week forty three report? Well, uh, much like last week, what's of note is performance remains very good. Um, again, in week forty three, both CN and CP very steady, as they have been now for a couple of months. Uh, both railways have been fulfilling ninety five percent or more of shipper orders on time over the last eight weeks, which is without a doubt the best stretch that we've seen all year. Um, we fully expect this to continue. You know, there don't seem to be any impediments right now to uh, good performance by the railways, barring of course an external shock to the system. On a provincial basis, uh, as one would expect when system performance is that good, you would expect that to translate down to the provincial level. And that in fact was the case again in week 43. Okay, thanks, Milt. And because service is so good right now, we we're, we are taking the chance, the opportunity to to look at a, a few different types of topics. So we started last week on precision uh, scheduled rail, railroading. Uh, this was the impetus for this is because there's a you know a study happening down in the U.S. on this to see what impact this this system has on 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 shippers and the overall network. Uh, we did a little bit of the background on on, on PSR last week. Uh, this week we'll touch on you know what it means for for Canadian shippers particularly. Interestingly, there's a there's an article in the Globe and Mail uh, last week after our podcast went up on precision scheduled railroading, and you know some of the quotes from it were were pretty fascinating. Um, basically, describing that one of the main tenets of of PSR is to put company profits and investors above before all. And a really interesting quote from a from a shipper organization in there where they described it as PSR may be good for the bottom line, but it is bad for nation shippers, American customers and workers who move the nation's freight. And so obviously a quote from, from someone in the States, but maybe, maybe you can get into a little bit of unpacking this, uh, this, this the, these opinions or thoughts on PSR. What are the pros and cons of the PSR model? Well, like a lot of things, Greg, it kind of depends on who you ask. So we'll talk about a little bit about the perspectives of, I guess, what you could say are the three principal stakeholder groups in the railway industry, railways, their customers, uh, freight shippers, um, and last but certainly not least, labor or the employees of the railways, because there's certainly impacts on, on all of those groups. From the railways perspective, PSR um, delivers significant operating benefits. Uh, they don't necessarily tout this first on the list with respect to what's good about PSR, um, but it's definitely um, a winning formula uh, for operating benefits, specifically profitability for the railways. It's designed to and does drive lower operating costs uh, through operational efficiency. 
Uh, it results generally in reduced investment in assets because the more efficient you use your more efficiently that you use your assets, typically the less you need of them. So railways who have implemented PSR over the last decade or so have generally uh, found themselves in a place where they can reduce um, asset investment pretty much across all classes. So they need fewer freight cars, they need fewer locomotives, fewer train crews. They're able to rationalize their railway terminals, which means you, less spend, you spend less money on infrastructure within your yards. So all positives from a railway profitability perspective. They also tout it as delivering improved service for customers, uh, most specifically focusing on the speed of traffic and the reliability of transit times. So those are the two big arguments, if you will, from the perspective of the railways. Shippers have a slightly different spin on this. Um, you know, some shippers argue that uh, it results actually in poorer overall service from the railways. The railways would counter that statement by saying that, you know, they know and by design there is a disruption to service during the implementation process. I think shippers in the stuff that I've read recently tend to use the word chaos as opposed to disruption, but but they know that they're changing things. So service will be impacted negatively in the early phases, but then that there are enduring benefits for shippers once the system is in place. Shippers, unfortunately, would argue that that's not necessarily the case from their perspective. Shippers say that because the railways cut so much from their asset base and their capacity is so tight as a result of PSR, that they actually remove flexibility in the system and don't therefore have the ability to respond quickly or well to required operational changes, whether that be a disruption to the system or it be uh, changes in short-term uh, customer demand. Shippers also argue that um, because the railways are looking to maximize the speed of their assets. So if you recall last week, we talked about this philosophy of car moving and moving cars as quickly as possible, which leads to changes in train design, et cetera, et cetera. But from the shipper's perspective, they, they see that as impacting them negatively from the perspective that it results in higher demerge charges or penalties to shippers that are imposed by the railways um, designed to incent shippers to move their cars more quickly. So not to leave them sitting in yards, whether they be their own or they be on railway property, um, you know, keep things moving. And one of the ways that the railway incent shippers to do that is by attaching financial penalties to those activities. So kind of in a nutshell, I guess shippers would see PSR as a railroad or railway driven service philosophy in pursuit of lower costs, as opposed to a customer driven philosophy in pursuit of improved customer service. Lastly is the labor side of the equation. Um, a lot's been written about the impacts of PSR in the railway industry on labor. Um, not much of it good, unless it's written by the railways. Um, labor generally believes that this is a strategy for significant workforce downsizing, which the railways, you know, would wrap up in the efficiency uh, banner. But for labor, for them, it's just downsizing. But more importantly, um, they feel that it has resulted in safety being compromised in a lot of places in railroad operations. And that's driven by the fact that 
the reductions in labor and the reductions in assets has left fewer people to do more work. There is an absence, according to labor leaders, of uh, the required training um, to make operations or keep operations safe. And an example of that is longer trains. You know, it's not that many years ago that when we talked about trains in the Canadian context, we were talking about 6,000 or 6,500 foot trains. Now, you rarely see trains of that length, except maybe in the winter when weather forces uh, trains to be shorter. And it's not unusual to see trains that are 12 to 15,000 feet long. You know, if you think about it, that's a train that's almost three miles long. And the argument that, that labor makes in this context is that their people are not receiving the required training to be able to safely operate trains of that size in this service model. Okay, so thanks for that, Milt. And so I guess the question really is why? Like, so why has this happening? We've often heard executives, railway executives talk about uh, operating ratio it becomes the, the the main focus for for railways. Is this one of the? Is this a, a signal? If we hear that 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 this uh, that the focus is on PSR style, um, essentially railway management. Yeah, I think there's a general agreement, certainly um, uh, abroad, across a broad cross section of stakeholders, that this is obviously driven by money. Um, I mean, they are businesses, they are in the business to make money, um, you know, but railways have figured out ways to do it like nobody else. So a lot of stakeholders re refer to this as what's called the Wall Street effect, um, which is driven really by large institutional investors, hedge funds, who are pushing railways for enhanced profits, which in turn will yield higher shareholder returns. You know, it's the classic argument of, of business. Are they operating to meet quarterly earnings targets or are they operating for, you know, the long-term benefits of their customers? And, and a lot of people would argue that railways are very much focused on quarterly uh, targets, operating ratio as an example being one of those. So if you think about the railway industry, it's a, it's a, it's a mature industry for the most part. There are limited opportunities for, you know, what we would call new business growth. Um, so if you're going to improve profits and you're going to meet the demands of Wall Street for improved shareholder returns, um, you're going to find that money uh, largely by reducing costs as opposed to by increasing revenues. And the evidence supports this, uh, given the intense focus by railways in recent years on reducing their operating ratios. Um, which is the number one metric in the railway industry for uh, tracking profitability and efficiency of operations in railways. And the significant gains that the railways have made uh, in this area since they've implemented PSR over the last 10 years. I mean, to give you an example, when Hunter Harrison went to uh, Canadian Pacific in 2012 um, and brought a PSR philosophy with him, CP's operating ratio was 84%. They just reported, uh, or in the first quarter, I think, of 2021, they reported an operating ratio of 54%, which is remarkable. Um, so if you look at that, you know, you have to think about the fact that not only have the railways pushed costs down to an unbelievably low level, 
but that source of money may now be exhausted. Um, I mean, how much farther can you lower your operating ratio? When, when people were at 80 and 85%, they thought 60 and 65% would be an amazing place to get. And now CP is headed for 50% and is not shy about saying so publicly. Um, so for shippers, you know, you've lived through the cost reduction exercise. And if there's more money that needs to be found by the railways in order to satisfy Wall Street, the next logical thing that you're going to see is probably an increase in rates which will drive revenues higher. And that's where profits will come from in the future. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an incredible drop in the operating ratio. And, and I guess it begs the question, um, you know, if there's, if there's that, if that much success, uh, particularly for the investors in, in the railways is there, um, could we see a change, ever see a change away from PSR? I mean, last week you mentioned, you know, the BNSF uses a, a, quite a different model uh, but they're one of the, you know, the outlier or one of the outliers in North America, you know, are we looking at something, are we looking at hybrid models? Are we looking at just a continuation of, of trying to uh, keep the PSR? Is it here to stay? Uh, I think so. Um, I mean, never say never, as they say, and there's always a new philosophy coming around the corner, but I think class ones, at least all of those participating, which is all of them other than BNSF, as you say, would argue that this has been the path to their financial success. So, you know, do you walk away from something that's treated you so well? It may get tweaked over time. Um, I think probably the, the biggest issue that's yet to be resolved that will have a say, if you will, in, in the continuation of PSR or its expansion or how it might be modified going forward is how it's viewed by regulators. Um, uh, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, the U.S. Congress uh, in committee has begun to look at the impact of PSR uh, on the railroad industry in the U.S. from a number of different points, including the safety of employees, service levels to customers, and whether or not um, railways are making sufficient long-term infrastructure investment um, uh, to ensure that there's no deterioration in service or capability in the years going forward. Yeah, thanks, Milton. And I guess that brings us uh, right back around to the reason why we looked at PSR and and certainly this U.S. study. It, it will be interesting going forward on on uh, you know on whether whether it'll do anything. I, I mean, your sense uh, it should railways be concerned by this by this uh, by looking at this? Maybe. Um, they don't tend to be concerned by a lot, as we know. Um, but, um, you know, regulators are now engaged. I think the, the initiative uh, that's just started in the States may be the most um, defined look at PSR from a regulator's perspective that we've seen so far, but likely not the last. Um, you know, higher scrutiny uh, by regulators typically sets the table for increased oversight or increased regulation or both, none of which are desirable outcomes for the railway. And if you think about the focus in recent years by regulators, both in the States and more recently in Canada, um, on what they call increased transparency in railway performance by enacting like, uh, regulations that require class one railroads to report on service in a very structured way, I think that's a, a first step in, you know, a peaked interest in this area. So 
that would be the one place that railways should be concerned. How big that concern should be, that's tough to say, but you know, they don't often relish being in the spotlight of regulators, but they seem to be there right now on this issue. Yeah, and we can definitely relate with the ATC around the increased transparency. It's very much the focus for us on, and you know, a real driver for us uh, for it is to you know improve service for shippers. And so, very interesting topic for the with the PSR, and, and something that uh, I know our focus going forward will will be to, like I said, get that transparency, try and get as best service we can throughout the year. Uh, well, thanks a lot, Milt. Really appreciate uh, your thoughts on PSR. Um, for those of you who would like to see the HC reports, www.agtransportcoalition.com. Uh, we'll be taking some deep dives on some topics in the future. If anyone who uh, listeners out there have some ideas or things they'd like us to cover, please let us know. We'll talk to you all later. Bye. <laughs>